Today's webcast focuses on Apple's three recommended deployment models and how to implement them. Throughout the webcast, we'll be collecting questions. You can enter your questions into the chat window at the bottom of your viewer. We will answer all questions at the end during the Q&A session. Today's featured presenter is Micah Baker, consulting engineer with Apple. Micah's focus is on iOS deployment best practices in US education. I'll go ahead and pass it off to Micah, and we can get started. Thanks, Nicole. Hello, everyone. We're going to get started here with our uh, presentation. What we're going to do is walk through uh, the recipes for implementing our three different uh, recommended deployment models. If you were able to participate in last week's webcast with Dan Samaya, he introduced uh, the products that we'll be using in our recipes. Uh, Apple Configurator uh, is a prime example of that. Uh, MDM servers may also take part in some of these deployment models. So um, we start off on our deployment conversation by asking an important question. We have to first identify who is going to own the apps. This is kind of a driving question that uh, drives the other decisions throughout the deployment process. So if we know who's going to own the apps, we're going to easily be able to make other decisions uh, that sort of fall into place as a result. So you can see here we have an example of who can own the apps. It could be the end user uh, or it could be the institution. So let's look first at what happens if the end user is going to own the apps. This is called the personal ownership model. So when we talk about personal, we're talking about the iTunes account that uh, is being used in the deployment. So a personal iTunes account is an iTunes account that is not affiliated in any way with the institution. It is a truly personal uh, iTunes account. So uh, in this example that we're going to walk you through for the personal ownership model, uh, the end user has an independent iTunes account. And it's really a simple deployment model. Uh, what this is, allows the end user to do is have complete control over their device. It allows IT to offload a lot of critical work to the end user. Uh, this is an example of consumerization of IT where the IT people are allowed to um, trust the user to do more work. And I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, as we go through this particular model. Uh, but that's some of the reasons why this is the simplest deployment model that we've uh, identified. Uh, part of the reason why it's simple is that the IT people do not have to worry about putting the apps on the device. The end user does that for them. Uh, so that means that the end user will retain ownership of any content put onto the device. This could be apps or it could be textbooks. So we treat the content from the institution uh, as consumable. So the institution may purchase content. Apps may be purchased at a discount, for example, in volume. Uh, and then that is transferred to the end user permanently. When the user has their device, they still have the option in this model to sync with iTunes. Uh, however, with iOS 5, we introduced the ability to uh, go PC-free. So many users may opt to go wireless and use cloud services from iCloud. Uh, we think that will be a very popular option for most people, uh, considering how mobile these devices are. So let's look at this actual uh, implementation now. Uh, how do you build a personal deployment? What's it look like? Uh, for the end user, keeping in mind that there isn't a lot of IT involvement in this deployment. So what you're going to see now is a lot of uh, the uh, workflow from the end user's perspective. So uh, from an IT perspective, really the responsibility ends with getting the device ready. So if you have a large number of devices delivered to you, uh, it's possible that those devices, depending on how long they uh, sit in their boxes before they're actually deployed, they may need to have their iOS version updated. So Apple Configurator is an ideal tool for doing uh, batch updates of the iOS on those devices. Once that's done, 
uh, asset tagging could be done, for example, and then it's, it's basically time to deploy these devices to the end users. Once it's um, set up for those end users, they just turn it on and they're going to be presented with the uh, iOS 5 setup assistant. So this is a really great uh, setup assistant tool uh, in that it's simple and lets the user uh, configure the device without actually realizing what they're doing. Uh, I'll show you what the end result is as we go. So the first screen that they're going to get uh, will allow them to sign in with an uh, Apple ID if they already have one, uh, or they could create a new one. Uh, in this example, we're going to say that the end user already has an iTunes account, so they're going to sign in with it. And this is a personal, independent iTunes account, not affiliated with the institution. Uh, they're able to turn on iCloud services, which we recommend if you want to take advantage of things like iCloud backup. This is another example of how IT has less burden put upon them. There's no responsibility for you to uh, maintain the data on the devices. Uh, if, some, if something happens to the device, for example, we have the iCloud backups to recover uh, all the data onto a new device uh, rapidly. Uh, the end user would have the responsibility of turning on Find My iPad for device tracking. So if they lose their device, they can find their device. And finally, uh, when they've finished setting up their uh, iPad, they can start using it. So what's happened through this process? It's a, it's a series of pretty simple questions. Uh, depending on the model of iPad they use, of course, they may also have been asked to turn on dictation services if it's the new iPad. Uh, but there are very few pages to go through, uh, pretty simple questions to answer. Well, as they answered all these questions, specifically when they signed, signed in with an Apple ID, an iTunes account, um, it automatically personalized their device for that iTunes account. So all these different services and apps were basically uh, associated for them with their uh, ID. So now they just start using the device and everything just works and it knows who they are. This means that IT doesn't have to pre-configure anything on the device. The, the user actually did all that work for them. When you think about uh, scalability of a deployment, this is actually a pretty important factor. Um, if you're used to managing labs and carts, that's a finite number of devices for IT to keep up with. Um, but if you were to put a device in every student's hand, you have to really rethink how scalable is your IT resources, uh, is your IT depart department and resources uh, to be able to keep up with a deployment as it scales. So when you think about the personal ownership model, um, it's really the most scalable because we're putting most of the work on the end user. Now, when you want to get content out to the end user, uh, you have different options available to you. Uh, this is the process of the institution uh, getting app redemption codes or textbook redemption codes out to the user. Uh, the institution would have purchased these in advance for the users uh, through the uh, volume purchase program uh, that they were enrolled in. And in this example, we're showing a simple uh, mail merge example where uh, one code um, per student is assigned um, and then automatically mailed out to the uh, end users. So here the uh, student can tap on the link that says click to get uh, pages and another one that says click to get life on earth. Uh, and as they tap on those links, they just automatically download uh, the app and the textbook after they validate their Apple ID. And what happens is uh, upon redemption of those codes, the actual license is now held by the end user. So all the institution had to do is distribute those codes to the end users. The end user then consumes those codes and then they're done. They do their own updates of those apps going forward um, and they maintain ownership of them. 
So the, the uh, end user perspective is pretty straightforward as you can see. Um, it's really just a matter of uh, organizing yourself around the redemption codes and distributing them. So now let's look at what happens when the institution uh, needs to retain ownership of the apps. Uh, this model is uh, common when we're using carts, for example, uh, but this is sort of a centralized syncing model. So we're using an institution iTunes account in this case. And what we mean by an institution iTunes account is that the email address used to create the Apple ID and iTunes account is institutionally owned. So it, the address on that uh, email account is tied to the institution, and that makes it your institution iTunes account as well. So you could recover uh, access to the account through your email address. In this model, um, the focus is on really kind of the opposite of personal. We're trying to restrict the end user rather than empower them. Uh, this is because this is typically devices, uh, there's not enough devices for the number of users, and so we're going to have them on a cart, and the cart may move around. So we want to make sure that we don't uh, collect a lot of personal information on our devices. Uh, that means that we have to, uh, in some cases, restrict the end user from being able to install apps uh, or do other personalization. So in this uh, example, uh, we don't want the end user to complete the iOS 5 setup assistant. Uh, we want to make sure that the institution does that in advance so that there is no um, uh, personal Apple ID involved on the device. Another thing that you need to note in this model, though, uh, is that due to the, uh, the uh, volume license for iBook Store, uh, you cannot have any uh, textbooks in this model. The institution is not allowed to retain ownership of textbooks, uh, and this model is all about the institutional retaining ownership of any content. So we have to exclude uh, textbooks uh, out of this model, but apps can remain in this model. So uh, another uh, reason why this may be a useful model is for cases where the students are under 13 and they're not allowed to have uh, their own iTunes account. So let's look at how this deployment model actually rolls out. Uh, this one's a little bit more complex on the IT side because we're doing extra work in order to let uh, the institution retain ownership of their apps. Uh, and this is about control of the devices and the experience on the devices. So in this case, we're going to do a lot more work with Apple Configurator. In fact, we're going to use uh, pretty much all the features of Apple Configurator um, in order to do this deployment model. So our first thing that we'll do is uh, teach Apple Configurator which iTunes account we want to redeem app codes against. And again, that will be the iTunes account that uh, the institution owns. Um, and then we're going to set up a template or master device that is configured exactly how we want all of our other devices on a cart, for example, or in a classroom. Uh, to be configured. So that master device gets all of our customizations, uh, wallpaper, folders, and things like that. Then we're going to create, uh, optionally, device groups if we have multiple sets of devices coming back to the same copy of Apple Configurator. Uh, and then we'll also want to create user groups, uh, optionally, if we are trying to retain some of the personal content created by the users uh, of these devices as they have temporary access to them. Uh, after we uh, set up Apple Configurator, we're ready to actually start uh, processing our additional devices. So we'll supervise those devices and we'll restore them from this master or template backup that we made. And then we're ready to actually check devices out to users and kind of start this cycle of checkout. They use them for a short time and then check them back in and retain their data. Uh, it's important to note that uh, the institution iTunes account should not be tied to a credit card. All it's doing is consuming the app redemption codes on behalf of the institution. Uh, so there is a knowledge base article 
uh, for creating free iTunes accounts um, that are not connected to a credit card. So you want to make sure that you follow that process. It's basically you're, down, you're starting with a, a computer that is not signed into an iTunes account, and you start by attempting to download a free app in iTunes, uh, maybe iBooks or something like that. Um, and then that will take you through a different process that allows you to end up with no payment method. Uh, you may want to have uh, multiple institution iTunes accounts forwarded back to some central email address so that's easier to uh, centrally manage uh, messages coming in. If, uh, if you need to reset an address or rather re, uh, reset an iTunes account, uh, you can have that come back to some central bucket of uh, email so that it's easier to sort through. And again, you want to make sure that the email address used to create this iTunes account is institutionally owned and controlled. So when we get into uh, Apple Configurator, um, we'll have to, the first thing we'll do is go into the Preferences, and we'll set the institution's iTunes account in here. Uh, so here we have institution underscore iTunes at example.com. That's the institution's iTunes account. This is the same iTunes account that we would use in iTunes itself on the same computer running Apple Configurator, uh, where we authorize iTunes to download and install apps. So we want to make sure that we're using the same iTunes account. We'll have to get our apps first from uh, iTunes to redeem one app redemption code. Uh, then we're going to transfer that app into Apple Configurator for any subsequent installation um, and license management. So there is a knowledge base article on, on this process as well, making sure that you understand how to get the apps from uh, iTunes into Apple Configurator. And once we have them in Apple Configurator, we'll be prompted to add our redemption codes. As soon as we drop the app in there, this message will come up saying, hey, you've got a new paid app that's been imported. Um, you won't be able to install this app on any devices until you give me a spreadsheet of app redemption codes so that I can actually redeem one code per instance of the app being installed. So we'll go ahead and walk through that here. We'll click on the zero lozenge there. And that brings up the uh, redemption code import screen, where we can click on import redemption codes and find our spreadsheet. In this example, we're using pages. So we're going to download, uh, or import rather, our copy of the pages spreadsheet that we got from our program facilitator account in the volume purchase portal. And here we have 20 redemption codes uh, available from pages. And uh, we'll click done. And now it shows that we actually have 20 available licenses. Now these. Uh, Licenses right now are unused, so those are codes that have not yet been redeemed. Um, we may have actually used the same spreadsheet uh, for iTunes, so the first code may actually get redeemed in iTunes, and uh, Configurator will respect that. It will know that that code has been redeemed in iTunes, and it will make sure that you still have that license for that first uh, redemption code. It's important to uh, remember that as you install the uh, copies of pages in this example to 20 different iPads, each of those redemption codes will get redeemed, and that is permanently uh, going to mark those codes as used, so they can't be redeemed on any other computer. Uh, from that point forward, Apple Configurator maintains its own internal uh, licensing database to keep track of those 20 licenses. So we would no longer refer to them as codes. The codes were only to get the license onto Apple Configurator, and now we're actually dealing with Apple Configurator licenses for pages. And it can put, uh, put the app on devices or bring the app back in. If it uninstalls the app from a device, it um, adds one license back to the pool uh, in the list and so on. So you don't, 
permanently leave the license on a device, uh, but you won't be able to install more copies of the app than you actually have licenses for in that number in the, in the uh, lozenge. So we're going to go ahead and select Pages as our app that's going in on our master device. So at this point, all we've done is plugged in a single iPad because this is the one we're setting up to be our template. Uh, we're going to go through now the settings and make sure that Apple Configurator is ready to uh, set this iPad up as a supervised iPad. Uh, we're going to, in this example, enroll into MDM uh, so that this, this uh, copy of Apple Configurator can make sure that every time the iPad's plugged back in, they're going to be enrolled into the MDM server. Uh, in this example, we're using uh, Apple's own profile manager server uh, to manage these devices. So that way we can do wireless changes to the configuration of the devices after we deploy them. But it's, it's important that we do that step here because if you were to add MDM after you supervise the device, Apple Configurator will treat that MDM enrollment profile as foreign and it will purge it every time you connect. So it's important that Apple Configurator is the one that actually puts it on there because then it will protect it. So we're going to go ahead and uh, click our prepare button. Um, this is a warning I think is just really great to point out to anybody who's new to Apple Configurator. Uh, I've done a lot of work in IT myself and done hundreds and hundreds of uh, iPad deployments, or iPad devices rather, um, and you might work till late in the evening doing deployments and your maybe your iPhone or your own iPad starts to get low on battery and you think, hey, I've got a, a USB cart right here. Um, it happens to be setting up all my school iPads. I'll just go ahead and plug my own device in so it can charge while I'm working on those. Well, while we're in this prepare mode, it doesn't ask any questions. Any device that gets plugged in will be erased and set up in the same way. So it's important to note that um, when, you, when you get into this stage, you want to really make sure you don't plug in any devices that you don't intend to have set up this way, including your personal ones that may or may not have happened to someone I know. Uh, so when we're done setting up those devices, we'll move over to the Supervised tab uh, where we're going to uh, take our, our master or template device and we're going to save a backup of it. Uh, this is our template backup that we're going to restore to all of our other devices. So um, we're control clicking on it. You can also click on the Devices menu in Apple Configurator and get to the backup option. And we're going to be asked to uh, give a name to it as well. So we call it our, our uh, backup, uh, first grade cart backup. We're also using the uh, device group option here in Apple Configurator. Uh, so we're going to make a first grade cart device group. Now we're able to uh, supervise all of our additional devices and we restored them from the backup that we had just made as, from our master device. Um, and we can put those into a specific device group. You're not required to use uh, device groups. That's, that's sort of an optional piece if you're going to have more sets of devices uh, managed by a single uh, instance of Apple Configurator. So in this case, you notice that all of our uh, additional iPads, they all say that they're named iPad. Uh, so if you forget to name them during the preparation phase, you can always go back in the Supervised tab and uh, name them in a batch right there. So here we're typing in first grade cart dash, and then we're going to check the box so that it will number them sequentially from 1 to uh, 10 in this case. We're going to restore them from our first grade cart. Um, they may have already been restored in the preparation tab. We're doing it here to make sure that anytime they reconnect, um, that they're always going to be restored from that backup. What that will do is not only uh, do the typical work of making sure our, all of our configuration profiles are still there, but we also want to purge any personal data that are on the devices. 
um, and get it back down to just the apps that we had originally put on there. But then beyond that, the backup will also um, purge all of the content inside of the apps that we originally put on them uh, so that we're back to the original state of the devices. So if you need to clean up the devices as they come back in, it's very important that you use this restore option uh, so that you don't have a collection uh, of personal data building up. And again, we're making sure these uh, boxes are checked because we want to make sure MDM enrollment uh, is um, automatically done for us at every reconnect of the devices. Now we're going to move on to our Assign tab where we're going to create uh, a first grade group for our devices. Um, here we kind of uh, added all the photos of our, of our users by dragging and dropping onto the uh, user accounts. Uh, this could be imported from a directory. If the client machine is already bound to a directory service, then uh, Apple Configurator is able to uh, also grab any information out of that directory. But Apple Configurator by itself doesn't uh, speak to the directory. It just goes through the client OS. So uh, we're ready to uh, check our devices out. And what we're going to do now is um, select our first 10 students uh, we may have a lot more students than devices, so the first thing Apple Configurator will do is just grab the first uh, number of students that match up to the devices, and that's the, the initial checkout. You can also drag the devices around uh, to line them up with a different user. Once you check out your uh, devices, um, those photos would then show up on the screen, um, and we can install all of our apps for those devices uh, in an ongoing fashion as well. Uh, in this example here, we're just pointing out that um, as we installed our copy of Pages, each code that we had for Pages is then redeemed. And from then on out, Apple Configurator is maintaining the license database for Pages in our installation. Uh, all of our students' uh, images will show up on their screen. This is a very convenient uh, feature. Uh, having worked in the classroom myself, I, I would just say, go find your face on the iPad. I don't have to do a whole lot of uh, management. I think this is especially effective in an elementary uh, environment um, and some other scenarios like that where uh, you might want to make it quick and easy for students to find their device. And they may not get the exact same device the next time that they um, get the cart in their classroom, for example. Uh, if for some reason I have to uh, move to a different set of devices, or maybe I only have, out of 20 uh, iPads, I only had 10 copies of some license, uh, in this example, let's say Pages uh, is installed on these nine devices. I need to move them to a different nine devices that are still managed by the same copy of Apple Configurator. I would need to uninstall those copies of Pages to increment all the licenses back into the pool in Apple Configurator, and then I'd be free to install those copies of Pages onto another nine devices. Uh, so you're not trapped into using the, uh, the same devices with that license. You can move them around as needed. So we've really talked about these two different ends of the spectrum so far. Um, recall that the personal ownership model is kind of uh, empowering the end user, whereas the institutional ownership model is all about empowering the institution. Uh, so it feels like there's room for something in between these two models, and I did say that there are three different deployment models. And so the third one is sort of a combination of the two. It's called the layered ownership model. Uh, and what this essentially works out to be is executing the institutional ownership model with a couple of tweaks and then following it up with the personal ownership model with a couple of tweaks. So let's look at how this one works. Um, 
we kind of get the best of both of those deployment models. What we cared about in the personal ownership model is that the end user gets full control over their device. They can still completely customize and personalize their device. Uh, however, we made sure that the institution still retains ownership of apps, which can be a very important detail uh, in some deployments. Uh, however, the license for textbooks doesn't change. So in this model, we still would need to treat the textbooks as consumables. So those would be deployed as codes to the end users to consume with their own personal Apple ID. Uh, that means that we'd be using uh, Apple Configurator and the Volume Purchase Program. And since the end user needs to have their own iTunes account, this is appropriate for any adult or student uh, who's 13 and over. So the uh, process when, when we talk about layered is we're, we're actually putting two different layers of content on there. So let's look at kind of a high level overview, overview first of this process and then we'll drill down into the actual workflow. Uh, the first step of this is getting the institution's content which really consists of typically apps. That represents the institution's layer of content. Once the institution has prepared the device with their content, then they're able to give the device to the end user. The end user, end user then uses uh, iCloud services to do everything over the air. So in this case, they're getting a textbook, but they could also add additional apps and so forth. But here you see that there's two layers of ownership, institution and end user. So now let's actually look at how to build this. That was kind of what you get uh, in the end result, uh, the actual workflow for building it. Um, it's fairly straightforward once you've seen the institutional model uh, and the personal model. Uh, you kind of have all the ingredients. Uh, we'll just change just a couple things. Uh, we're still going to tell Apple Configurator to represent the institution's iTunes account. Uh, anything with the Apple Configurator side of things in this model is institutional. Uh, we're going to tell Apple Configurator that we're doing a long-term checkout. So we'll configure it a special way so that it will not automatically purge any of the personal content that the students create when we come back to Apple Configurator. This is important because at some point we will be updating the school apps and these students will have generated their own content with apps that they downloaded beyond what we first gave them. Uh, we will still want to use uh, users in this model. We'll still want to supervise our devices uh, because that's required to use this, uh, this checkout process. And then we'll actually check out the devices to the users. So the, uh, the first step then is uh, configuring for long-term checkout. Uh, there is a knowledge base article that tells you how to do this. Um, and all this will do is change the behavior of uh, Apple Configurator at the point when devices reconnect. Uh, that's the only thing that's uh, different between the normal behavior. So our first step is uh, preparing devices uh, and supervising them. Um, and we're, we're going to redeem any uh, app codes in order to do this. Depending on how many devices, we may uh, redeem all of our app codes. Uh, so we're preloading, we're sideloading all of our apps on the device. When we're done with that, and we may also, of course, asset tag the devices and things like that, um, and we might add the uh, MDM enrollment still. I think that's, that's an important piece that you want to add, and Wi-Fi settings and so forth. But when we're done with those things, those are kind of our one-time IT operations on the device, uh, now we're going to give it to the end user. Now this part is very familiar, uh, if you recall the personal ownership model. Uh, what we did is we set up those devices with the iPad at this setup assistant screen. So it's very important in the layered model that we don't complete this. In the institutional model, recall that we did complete this because we don't want the end user to personalize it. We do want the end user personalization in layered, so we're leaving this alone. So it's very few steps for IT. You put your apps on there and your configuration, and you give it to the end user. 
They will then walk through the setup assistant. Uh, in our example here, we'll sign in with an existing student Apple ID and uh, we'll turn on iCloud services because again we want to use iCloud backup so IT doesn't have to manage any of the data on the devices. That's very important for device recoveries. And uh, we want the student to be responsible for tracking their own device so we want them to turn on Find My iPad in this example um, and then they can start using their, their iPad. So they still personalized everything. Uh, what you'll notice when students first get an iPad uh, within the first five minutes, they're going to they're going to jump straight into personalization of their device. Uh, what I typically see happen is photo booth gets opened, some friends join them, and they take pictures of themselves, and that becomes their wallpaper. That's typically one of the very first things that happens, um, and that the second thing that they'll do is start downloading apps. We'll just take a peek on the second page of this. Uh, iPad that we deployed here and point out that all of the school apps that we sideloaded were there. They're waiting for the student to use, ready to go. However, the student's probably going to go back to the App Store, uh, which recall knows who they are because they actually signed in with their own personal Apple ID. Uh, and maybe they're going to want something like Angry Birds. Uh, they're going to want something that, that is interesting to them to add to what you gave them. And maybe they, they uh, like the physics aspect of it. Uh, I don't know. But, but what's important to note here is that it already knows what Apple ID they have um, signed in with. So all they have to do is provide their password. This is an important detail. You don't have to worry about them accidentally trying to use your uh, school iTunes account. So what we'll have here is our group of uh, school apps preloaded. And then we're going to have a second group of apps that show up over time uh, where the student is personalizing it with apps that are really personal. They're their apps. They may, uh, they may have them um, from an account that they already uh, had managed before from another device. So they're re-downloading apps uh, or they're getting additional apps for the first time. But uh, really, the, this is the layer, uh, layered aspect in action here where we have the institutions layer on top and we have the personal layer on bottom. Uh, it's important to note also that the institution apps are from Apple Configurator. The personal apps are always from App Store because a supervised device cannot connect to another copy of iTunes. So the students really can't go plug into another uh, computer to, to sync apps to it. Uh, and really that is a slower process for them. If they always have their device with them, uh, they'll be able to personalize wherever they go if they have Wi-Fi. When it comes to textbooks, it's the same process as we went through for the personal ownership model. Uh, we'll send out a code somehow. It could be done through an MDM solution. Um, or in this case, we're just using a simple mail merge example. And the students will tap on the link to get uh, Life on Earth here. And then that will be put into their own personal copy of iBooks. And that belongs to their own personal uh, Apple ID. Recall when I say personal, uh, that means that the students uh, Apple ID and iTunes account doesn't use a school email address. It really is completely personal. So if they left your school tomorrow, they don't have to ask you for anything. They don't have to use any of your services. They can actually keep all of their content in their account. Um, they won't be able to update their, the school apps uh, through, the, uh, through iTunes on a computer at home, nor will they be able to update any of their personal apps on an iTunes computer at home. They will get uh, a message that their iPad is supervised by another computer. So that's a consequence of the supervision process. We, we call this uh, prevention of rogue sync. And uh, that's important to know that they will see that if they try to plug in at home. It makes it really hard for them to uh, even accidentally lose your school apps. So when it comes to updating your school apps, at some point 
this will need to be done. Uh, you'll plug back into Apple Configurator, and what's great is uh, because we set up that option for long-term checkout, Apple Configurator will say, I see there's other apps on there that I didn't put there, but that's okay. Uh, I'm going to ignore those and just preserve them while I focus on the ones that I did put on there. You may put additional apps on there as well. Maybe you redeem some additional codes in Apple Configurator and you can install those apps uh, onto the device and it will still ignore the student's personal data. Um, when you're uh, done with this, you just give it back to the student. But what I want to point out is that you want to develop some kind of a schedule for when you're going to do these updates. One thing that we find uh, from experience in the field is that uh, people see that there are updates available uh, and it brings the OCD out in everyone and we think we have to stay on top of all these updates. So we uh, keep trying to bring the devices back and update. Well, if you think about how you would manage things uh, in a desktop environment or lab environment, this is one of the few comparisons that we can actually make between an iPad and a laptop or desktop environment, is that you want to think before you update. There's, a se there's several reasons for that. Uh, primarily, uh, you want to make sure that you understand what the consequences of the update are. So if an app has an update, does it fix a bug that you've had, that you've been experiencing problems with, so you need to scratch an itch, this needs to be taken care of? Does it have a feature that you really need to take advantage of? Uh, those might be good reasons to do an update. But updates may also be just the developer changing the interface on the app. So in cases where, and particularly in elementary schools, where a teacher might say, okay, everyone, we're going to open such and such app, we're going to tap on the blue button in the upper right-hand corner. Well, after an app update, the UI might have been completely redesigned, and the app developer is very proud of this, but the teacher wasn't expecting everything to be different, and suddenly their curriculum needs to kind of pause for a moment while they figure out where everything is. So they say, tap on the blue button in the upper right-hand corner, all the hands go up in the classroom, and they say, there is no blue button in the upper right-hand corner. So we have to figure out where things are now. So we want to do a little bit of testing if it's an important or critical education app in particular. Uh, do some kind of a review process of making sure that this is a justified update. Uh, perhaps you'll want to schedule update windows. You might uh, take advantage of if you have a winter break uh, or a spring break. Uh, those are good times to bring the devices in and update apps. Uh, if teachers know that those are the windows for updates and they can plan ahead and evaluate apps ahead of time so that they're ready to say, okay, we want these apps and you can do a volume purchase, for example, uh, on those apps. But don't get into um, the habit of rushing updates out. Uh, that'll also save you from uh, bringing the devices back regularly to Apple Configurator for these updates, uh, which is another logistical uh, situation to figure out. So the whole time we've been give, uh, letting the student, in this case, use the device, they've been using iCloud to back up the device. Uh, this is very important uh, in that they can have more control over uh, their data. Uh, they're backing up to their own personal iTunes account, so uh, all their data is theirs. When they're done using the device, though, uh, say they graduate or they have to uh, go to another school, so on, they have to give the school's iPad back. When they do that, the school is going to most likely uh, wipe it out and set it up again for a new student, because we typically will use devices until they don't work anymore. Uh, so the, the school will then have this device ready for the next student. But uh, our student who graduated in this example, uh, they may get a personal iOS device, uh, or they may have already had another one. Uh, but regardless, if they have a new device uh, or uh, device at its original settings, they can use the iOS 5 Setup Assistant and choose this option, which is Restore from iCloud Backup. 
They'll still sign in with their Apple ID to prove who they are so it knows which, which backups are available for them. And they'll select the last backup they made on the school's iPad. They'll do a restore process, which may be around the uh, same speed that you just saw on the screen, or it may be a little bit longer depending on how much data you have on the device. Uh, once they do that restore, though, all of the settings and personalization on their device comes back. The first thing it does is re-download all of their personal apps. So instead of the institution app layer showing up uh, on top, we're going to have the student's app layer showing up because those are things that are tied to their personal iTunes account. If they had the wallpaper uh, or apps and folders and so on, that will automatically show up as well. If they were to get their own copy of the apps the school had been providing, then uh, any of the data in those copies would automatically get reconnected to those apps. So it's really a way for students to have kind of an e-portfolio. Their work can follow them uh, beyond school. This is also a helpful workflow um, as we transition between schools within an institution. Maybe this, this set of schools manages their own devices and we don't take that device with us into the next school. Um, in which case, having this ability to restore from an iCloud backup lets us basically uh, get everything back on a new device. This is also, of course, important for uh, rapid return to service of uh, a device if it is uh, in need of being replacement, uh, in being replaced rather, then we'll just be able to get a new device and restore from iCloud backup on the new device and we're back up and running very quickly. So this is another way that this saves IT quite a bit of trouble. So a few uh, Reminder points now that we're, we're through our three deployment models. I uh, just want to really emphasize that when we talk about Apple IDs, if it is for the institution, and we say institution owned, uh, that means that the email address used to create the Apple ID and iTunes account that's associated are um, based off of your email system. If it's an, uh, a personal Apple ID, that means that they have nothing to do with your institution. This is a very important distinction. Uh, as soon as you're using your email address, that's technically a school iTunes account. So um, that has ramifications throughout our deployment models. When you buy apps as an institution, of course, you're using the volume purchase program, whereas the end users are doing everything directly on the device through the App Store. That means that all of your content has to come through Apple Configurator and potentially iTunes on the same computer, uh, while the end user is doing everything uh, through cloud services. That also kind of uh, impacts our connectivity options where uh, Apple Configurator uh, works over USB only, whereas um, the iCloud services are Wi-Fi only. So you kind of have a good differentiation between how the school puts stuff on there versus how the end user, end user puts stuff on there. Uh, finally, I want to uh, also point out our iOS, iOS 5 education deployment guide that's currently uh, posted, as Dan mentioned last week. Uh, we're in progress on a revision to this deployment guide that focuses on these same workflows with Apple Configurator. So all the stuff that we just went through in this presentation uh, in a more detailed form uh, in documentation format. Uh, so it's more of an actual recipe to follow these steps and you'll, you'll get these uh, results. Uh, so you can still read the existing deployment guide that, that focuses on iTunes. Um, the workflows are nearly identical. It's just there's some additional features that Apple Configurator is able to do. We also want to point you to apple.com slash education slash IT. Uh, this is an excellent uh, site where we post a lot of other resources. This is where you can go to get the uh, iOS 5 education deployment guide. There are also a series of IT-focused tutorial videos um, 
that will walk you through some of these different uh, processes. Uh, for example, uh, Dan Samaya has some videos up there on uh, profile manager uh, uh, design and deployment. Um, I have a video up there right now on the, an introduction to these three deployment models and Apple IDs and iTunes accounts. We have in progress additional videos that will drill down into these three deployment models as well as uh, how to use Apple Configurator. So please visit this website uh, periodically. We do update the content and uh, want to make sure that you use this as kind of a focal point of your Apple resources. It will be very helpful. Uh, so at this point, we're going to uh, move on to a Q&A session. And I'll switch back over to Nicole to moderate that. So just a reminder to everyone, you can enter questions in into the chat window at the bottom of your viewer. So we'll get started. Um, Micah, is it a good idea to create teacher iTunes accounts using school email addresses? Uh, as we mentioned earlier, um, if a teacher is going to have their own uh, iTunes account, if we're going to call that a personal iTunes account, then it should not use a school email address. So you want to make sure that, um, depending on the deployment model, if it's a layered model where the teacher is expected to be able to personalize their device and add their own content, that iTunes account for their personalization should be completely independent from the institution. You can still have um, an iTunes account that's institution-owned and controlled for the school content, but you really shouldn't have the teachers creating iTunes accounts based off of school email addresses. Um, it may sound like you could kind of recycle those accounts as teachers move around, uh, but the teachers can also um, take those iTunes accounts with them if they want to because they have direct control over them um, themselves. It's just not a very good practice. Um, it doesn't scale very well. We've seen it issues uh, from schools that have attempted to do things like that, so we really discourage using uh, institution email addresses to create personal teacher iTunes accounts. Um, and on kind of that same vein, which deployment model is best for staff? Uh, I really, so I believe that uh, for staff in particular, uh, layered model is going to be your, your best bet for staff use. Uh, the reason for that is uh, teachers really need the flexibility to experiment with apps and be able to personalize their device just as much as students. Uh, when we talk about personalization, uh, that's delivering a sense of ownership to the end user. Whether it's a teacher or the student, if you want them to get the maximum productivity out of the device that you, the institution, are providing them, you want to make sure that they invest into it and make it their own. Uh, that personalization is really key to that. So whether it's a teacher or a student, the layered model really gives them all the power they need to feel like this is my device. Uh, and when you think about students, they say, come to my house, you want to stay at my house. They don't own the house but their room is set up the way they like. It's, it's painted maybe the way they like. It's decorated the way they like. That's what makes it their room. Uh, so they think that way. They don't care if they own the iPad. They care if they have their stuff on it. So personalization works that way for adults too, I think. Uh, we've seen a lot of success with teachers having full access to their own content. When using Apple Configurator to set up the personal ownership model, I want to put on a profile for our wireless network, but I can't push out the profile until the device has been set up. How do I get around this? It's mm. a good question. Uh, so if, if you're trying to put configuration profiles on devices that are not supervised, you need to really embrace that personal model. The personal model says IT doesn't do any work. 
IT delivers resources to the user and the user does that work. So if you have a configuration profile with wireless settings, for example, uh, the way to get that on the devices is to uh, typically have a captive portal where there's a wireless network that's open, but when you join that wireless network, it will only let you get to the MDM enrollment portal. That enrollment portal then lets the user sign in and get the full MDM enrollment, which includes the wireless settings to get on the production wireless network. So then you're letting them do all the work of getting onto the first setup network, which then lets them get into the actual protected network with other resources on it. Uh, we've seen a lot of different institutions do that model successfully. Um, the more that IT tries to set devices up on behalf of the user, the more work it actually creates. It's, it's sort of counterintuitive, I know, but this is, a, this is a very different process and it's all about letting go of a lot of control that you're used to having to have. Uh, particularly uh, iOS devices don't need to be controlled the way that desktop devices do, uh, just because there isn't the same uh, security situations uh, where there's you know, an administrator versus non-administrator. All the users are administrators of the device. So you kind of have to embrace that. Uh, a lot of different uh, schools that have done deployments that are in their first or second year now are, are really wrapping their head around that uh, and repeatedly saying the biggest takeaway we had is that we should not try to fiddle with things. We have to really let the users take charge and things work. But the more we mess with it, the more we create problems. Would I have to copy and paste the redemption codes from the VPP spreadsheet into individual emails for the users or is there an easier way to distribute them? That's a good question. So if you wanted to use that mail merge option, um, that would be where you have uh, you know, probably some kind of a desktop computer that has uh, software that's capable of a mail merge and you would say here's my spreadsheet of codes and it has one code per line and then you could have a form letter that you write that has fields and uh, you have another spreadsheet that has a list of student names and email addresses. So fill in the, the field for first name and last name from that, that student uh, demographic spreadsheet uh, and their email address and then fill in this uh, code, the URL, to the actual redemption code from the spreadsheet that came from the volume purchase portal. So um, that's uh, something that takes a little bit of manual work. It's, uh, it's the cheap and easy way, uh, but I would say that the preferred way, if you're doing a larger scale deployment and you want to distribute these redemption codes, I really recommend that you look into an MDM server that supports the volume purchase program. Uh, there are many solutions that are able to uh, import that spreadsheet from Volume Purchase Program and simply let you assign it out automatically to a group of users and it will do that work for you and they'll be presented uh, with the correct apps in their own self-service portal. So if you're doing anything big, that's really worth the investment. If a school email address is used for a student Apple ID, can the student later change their Apple ID's email address and still retain all of their apps with a new ID? Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why we are trying to uh, get people focused on personal really should be personal and institutional should really be institutional. Um, if, if the institution has an iTunes account, then we expect that IT typically will be in control of that, uh, potentially teachers as well, uh, but not students. If you create student accounts off of school email addresses, the student uh, could then log into uh, appleid.apple.com and manage their Apple ID and it's very simple to rename the email address for the account to something completely personal. You have no, no ability to block that. Uh, so rather than try to fight against that, uh, we actually plan for it. 
and say, well, let's not give them any incentive to rename the accounts. We'll just start them off with an account that's already theirs. There's nothing for them to do to it at that point. That's another way that we create less work for IT. And it's another example of how when we, as IT, try to put controls on things, it actually backfires on us. We need to actually embrace the personalization aspect. How does Profile Manager play into all of this? Um, one of them is asking about being able to remotely install apps via Profile Manager. Sure, so Profile Manager does uh, support all of those same configuration profile options. Uh, Dan mentioned that last week. Um, it does support the ability to push apps out to devices. Uh, currently, that is limited to apps you write yourself, uh, so that's important to note. Uh, it's not supported to be able to push out any other type of app. Um, but that's a, a pretty common request that we get from people being able to do that. Can students update iOS systems themselves over Wi-Fi in the layered model? That's a great question. So uh, again, the consumerization of IT is saying, uh, let's take all these common, tedious tasks that IT has to do on a desktop or laptop environment and make it an end user responsibility. Operating system updates are a great example of something that traditionally we never let the end user have control over. Can you imagine if we just said, hey, here's your DVD update to the new operating system, um, go to the lab or teachers, you know, update your laptop. That would just be crazy. And we know there's too many complicated things for them to answer during an upgrade process, things that can go wrong. On iOS, it was designed from the ground up to be driven by the end user. Uh, I think of it uh, from my own personal experience as a computer for my mom because I don't get any tech support calls anymore now that I got her an iPad. Um, it's, it's made for people to just say, yes, upgrade, and then it does what it's supposed to do. And it protects them too. If, the, if there's not enough power in the battery and they're only on battery power, it won't let them attempt an upgrade. It's, it's very conservative and makes sure that this is going to work. So it's, uh, it's very advisable to let the students run their own iOS updates. Keeping in mind also that with iOS 5 and over-the-air over updates, um, these are very small updates now. The last one, iOS 5.1.1, was about a 50 meg update. So it's a fast process, it's a delta update, uh, and students have no problem doing those. We've seen that be successful in many different instances. If an institution wants to limit to institution iPad deployment, can a user restore the iPad back to factory default and thus remove the institution's apps and settings? Uh, yeah, so there, any, uh, any iPad, if you can power it on, you can open the settings app and you can, you, you can reset it, erase all content. Um, if the device was in the institutional deployment model, then uh, that could be, if it was plugged back into Apple Configurator, which originally set it up, Configurator wouldn't ask any questions. It would simply purge everything, resupervise it, put all the apps back on exactly how you had uh, done it before. So if someone did do uh, a reset of the device, you have a quick recovery, but there is no way to prevent a user from uh, resetting the device and erasing all the apps. It's another example of how these are really designed to be personal devices. Um, the more we embrace the personalization of the device, the less work we create for ourselves. How much background bandwidth can one expect from iCloud without factoring actual backups? Mm, that's a difficult question to answer because iCloud can back up all the content on a device. So uh, bandwidth would be higher, of course, if the students are recording movies and things into the camera roll, because that would be backed up. Um, 
without any of the media content, iCloud backups are relatively small and quick. So it's really once you start adding uh, that type of content, then it will uh, add up. You can always open up uh, iCloud backup settings on any particular device and just take a look at how much each particular app or camera roll, for example, uh, is taking up, and that'll give you an idea of what kind of bandwidth you're going to need. But that unfortunately varies wildly between deployments because we have people who are doing very different things with their iPads. So I think that's a your mileage will vary type of an answer. With the layered model, can students get the no credit card Apple IDs when they start up? That is a fantastic question because that goes straight to the video I mentioned earlier. Um, if you watch the video that I mentioned from apple.com slash education slash IT, uh, intro to iOS deployment models and iTunes accounts, uh, we uh, go through the three different ways that you can create a free Apple ID, including uh, in the layered model when the students are going through the setup assistant, if they, if they tap on create a new Apple ID, we show you uh, through a demonstration how that all works. Uh, if the student uh, goes through that, through that process and then opens the App Store, it immediately prompts them to download iBooks, which is a free app. Downloading a free app uh, on a brand new account will automatically give you the option for no payment method. So we have a nice workflow uh, that students can follow to make sure that they can create their own personal iTunes account that is not going to require a credit card. If you purchase additional codes for a specific app on VPP, do you have to re-upload the additional codes to Apple Configurator, or does Apple Configurator have a mechanism to know additional copies of the app have been purchased? Another good question. So Apple Configurator just ingests additional spreadsheets as you upload them. You don't have to worry about the previous uploads. So if you have a new spreadsheet, you simply import that, and it will add those licenses into the existing ones it had. We'll take a couple more questions here. Is there a way to prevent the user from changing the logon wallpaper in a layered ownership? That's an interesting question to me. In the layered ownership model, remember that we want to let the end user personalize. So we can set the wallpaper initially uh, with Apple Configurator, but that's not something that is locked. So it may start off with maybe the image of the user or some text, uh, for example, but the user could then go in and set that wallpaper to something else. And remember that we really want them to do this because the more they put stuff on there that they care about, the more they feel like, this is my device. If all of the devices had the same wallpaper, for example, I wouldn't be able to differentiate one iPad from another just by looking. But if they all had their own custom wallpaper, I could spot my iPad 20 feet away easily in a library and make sure that someone doesn't walk away with it. Uh, there's lots of different reasons why you have benefits from that but I wouldn't worry too much about trying to lock the wallpaper down. That's, that's not going to really add any value. What should we plan for if we want to send devices home with students? Hmm. Uh, I'm a really big fan of sending devices home with students wherever possible, uh, but you have to do some planning first. What we've seen from all of our successful 101 uh, deployments that have take-homes is that uh, the, before you start sending them home, you start thinking about what policies need to be uh, adopted or revised. Uh, make sure that you've set expectations with parents on, hey, devices are coming home. You need to know these things about care and maintenance, uh, behavioral changes, uh, et cetera. 
the students need to have expectations set on uh, their uh, requirements and responsibilities for maintaining the device. For example, it's common to say, once we start sending these home, we don't want you plugging in and having cords all over the place at school. You're expected to charge these overnight and have them ready for the school day. The battery, of course, lasts 10 hours uh, at school, so they go the whole day at school. Um, and the teachers need to understand uh, expectations uh, on changes and have a professional development around that. Uh, for example, when I know that every student has a device and that device is going home with them, I can really rethink the way my curriculum works. I might start making new types of assignments that take advantage of their tools I know they have at home. I probably wouldn't expect every student to have internet access at home, but I do know what apps I gave them, and so I can say I expect you to do this homework that uses these apps on your device that are not going to require the internet. So just thinking about the ongoing uh, deployment needs uh, are important, but sending them home is a great idea. Thank you, Micah. And thank you for everyone that joined us today. We're going to be posting this webcast on maclearning.org shortly. And for those of you that were unable to attend last week's webcast on iOS management, that's also posted on Mac Learning. If we weren't able to get your question today, please post them to Mac Learning. We've set up a forum on iOS management and deployment, and we will do our best to circle back and answer all the questions there. We'll also post the support articles that we mentioned today on the forum as well, so you guys have access to those. So thank you all for joining us.